Put on diets from the age of 10 and challenged by her emerging sexuality, this mum struggled with self-acceptance and anxiety in silence for 20 years. Hear what changed everything for this mum, who transformed years of struggle into self-empowerment, became an activist and built a powerful podcast and community for queer folks and allies. Quiz and co-founder Jem Kennedy talks all things self-empowerment and the key to turning life around. Welcome to the Empower podcast for mums in business. We are women building a business we love while making a home for the ones we love more than anything. I'm your host, Nicola Hewlin. Join me as I talk to seemingly ordinary women just like me and you as they share their extraordinary stories and inspirational advice to bounce back even stronger from challenging times and thrive in business, motherhood and life. So I'm delighted to welcome to today's interview, Jem Kennedy. Hi, Jem. Hi, Nick. Thank you so much for being a guest on today's episode. And I know you have incredible, not probably not bounce back story, bounce back stories to, to share with our audience today. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I found it difficult actually to think of a particular story, not that I've had so many, but just, it feels like one long continuous, <laughs> one continuous story, I guess it wasn't, I wasn't really sure where to start. Yeah. But I think I've, I've become a bit clearer on what I'd like to share. So that's, that's cool. Brilliant. So let's, was it Alice in Wonderland? Or, uh, no, who was it who said, well, let's start at the beginning. Was it? Oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I could <be> quite, sorry. <laughs> I think it was Carol Lewis. Anyway, so yes, well, let's start at the beginning. Over to you. Please do share with our audience. What is your story of bouncing back from challenge and tough times? Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm trying not to make it too long, but I guess um, it started when I was around the age of 10. I was put on diets and um, my body was kind of the topic of conversation in a lot of family situations and lots of people had opinions about it. And so I think from a very young age, I got the message that my body wasn't good enough and that I was my worth was my body. Um, and I had a lot of potential I think as a child I got moved up a year when I was at school and really wanted to learn like I was the kind of geeky child in class that that really wanted to just get on and learn stuff but I think quite when I hit my teenage years I realized or I felt very strongly I don't know that other people had this um expectation necessarily but I felt really strongly that the options that were open to other people weren't open to me because of my body. And I think it's really important to just point out that I have a lot of body privilege. Like I am a white plus size, I guess, um, in like fat activism terms, we call them small fat. So I'm, I'm not, if I, if I look at pictures of myself now, I wasn't a fat child, but everything I was told was that I was a fat child and I'm, I'm queer, but I was also, you know, straight passing and was by and openly by with some people, but wasn't really out um, as a teenager. And yeah, so I think I felt almost like I had these 
had this potential and these options, but then as I got older and I realized that my body somehow wasn't good enough, it felt like all of those doors closed around me and I wasn't able to access those things anymore. And now I just look back and think that's really, really sad because yeah, (laughs) it's just really sad for so many reasons, but I'm also really grateful because otherwise I wouldn't be where I find myself now. So I went through years and years of dieting, hating my body, trying all kinds of different things to change my body um, and just telling myself that when I was thin, when I had an acceptable size body, then I would start to do the things that I wanted to do. And that ranged from like physical, you know, like playing, not playing sport, like team sports necessarily, but like cycling or hiking or whatever it might be. Um, I loved dance as a teenager and a child and went to drama school, but was kind of given the impression that my body would not let me progress any further. So I gave it all up. Yeah. And it wasn't until I had my daughter when I was um, 25 that I thought, okay, I need to sort my life out now. Like I've spent long enough dieting. I need to do one final diet so that I'm definitely going to be thin enough so she won't grow up with a fat parent. And now that just makes me like cringe. Um, But that's genuinely what I thought. Like I will be a bad example for her if she sees me as a fat person and also maybe like an embarrassment or a disappointment. And I, again, tried more things, more things, more things, did jobs that I didn't particularly like, but just because they were jobs that I could get. And then when I was oh gosh, it was in 2017, I think. Um, I had coaching with someone who had trained at the same school that we've both been to. And we had- Which is Animas. Let's give them a bit of a plug. (laughs) We love Animas. (laughs) We do. It's an amazing community. Um, Yeah. So I- had coaching with her because she was looking for um, practice clients. We had some really good sessions. And then in the last session, or one of the last ones, I decided that I was going to bring up how I felt about my body. And I'd never really talked to anyone about it before. I don't think anyone realized quite how obsessed I was with, like it it took over everything, all my energy really. How old were you at this age, Um, at this stage? So I I was 29. Yeah, and now I'm 33. So it wasn't that long ago. Um, It wasn't that long ago and quite late. And I just want to say, while I'm, uh, I don't want to interrupt the flow, but I am imagining, because it certainly resonates with me, that there are going to be so many people, particularly women, listening to your story, who this challenge will of accepting our bodies and feeling body confident will resonate with so many people on, on so many different levels. Yeah, I hope so. And I think it was getting in or hearing some of these kinds of conversations that really made me realize that other people experience this too. Mm -hmm. And I know it sounds silly because there's diet ads all over the telly or, you know, we're constantly being told to diet, but actually until I realized, um, maybe I cognitively knew it, but until I realized like in my soul that there are other people experiencing this and this is wrong, I didn't have the energy or like the understanding to do anything about it. And um, just having that one coaching session sort of kicked me into finding other resources where other people were talking about things like body positivity and being anti-diet, why dieting is so damaging, why it's not our fault that we feel this way about ourselves. Like now I recognize that I've had eating disorders since I was 10. I also still experience body dysmorphia and it's not an accident that I feel that way. Mm. Um, it's a very helpful tool to 
oppress people and to make people sort of be so hung up about changing themselves and what they need to do in order to be accepted that takes or detracts away from us having the energy to make changes in society in a bigger to a bigger scale um, and also recently I've been learning a lot about how the foundations of anti-fatness also come from um, white supremacy so and I'm not an expert to talk about that but like it's been really interesting to me to realize that those same reasons that we live in a white supremacist society or it comes from the same root and um, this idea that in order to while people are so sort of hung up about their bodies they're not in terms of fatness they're not able to think oh hold on a second like this is actually not okay my body just looks this way and I've not, I'm not lazy. I didn't do anything to end up in this body, but, but for some reason I'm being oppressed because of it. And it makes me feel as though I have no options or as though I'm less of a person. And also I just want to point out that there's a very big distinct distinction between experiencing the oppression of racism and experiencing the oppression of, of fatness. They're not the same, but they stem from a, the similar cause, white yeah, supremacy. So, and so interesting and so topical because we're in 2020 mm. as we record this and such, such important topics of, of conversation to be had. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think realising that it's all part of the same system, it all comes from the same place, is a helpful... It, one, it takes away the feelings of guilt and shame and sort of blame that I feel as a, a person for, for not being able to be good enough or not being able to be thin enough or whatever it might be. But it also, it's really liberating to realize that, oh, okay, these, these, um, what's the right word? These like norms and values that we have grown up thinking are normal. Like my mum putting me on a diet when I was 10, for example, and it being normal, it doesn't have to be that way. And it isn't, I'm not inherently a bad person because I have extra fat on my body. I'm still valid and it's really liberating to kind of shake all of that off and I think that that kind of first exploration into understanding my body and how I relate to myself just changed my whole world um, it led to me actually fully coming out as queer and being able to have those sort of difficult sometimes conversations with people it changed the way I parent there were so many things that it changed and I think without it whilst I said I wasted so much time without that time having spent feeling that way I don't think I would have become the person that I am now incredible incredible and what a powerful story and you know you talk of you mentioned the word dysmorphia earlier and you know for for the audience who are listening in they they can't see us as we're talking to each other we got the video and obviously um we've known each other for a while and i just want to say to the audience who are sitting out there i'm i'm sat looking at gem listening to just listening to you know your stories of growing up and one it makes me feel so sad and also because you're so beautiful. You're so lovely. And I wish, I wish people could see you as we were doing this, this video. They can go to your website. The link will be in the show notes. You've got okay. some stunning <laughs> photography on there. And so, so beautiful. And I guess, you know, whether it's the perception of ourselves or how we, true, how we truly are in the world, everybody should be able to take up their place and their space and, and feel accepted and feel they have the same opportunities regardless of, you know, their shape, their size, their color, their, you know, this is what all these conversations are, are about. And I would imagine many of us 
have something we want to change about ourselves or would change about ourselves given the chance and how great would it be if we all just loved and accepted ourselves exactly how we are yeah absolutely I think of the energy that I wasted and, and to some extent still continue to waste because whilst I'm in recovery for eating disorders I still at times experience disordered eating and still experience body dysmorphia yeah I think it's difficult and um, I think the energy that you waste that you could be putting into other things is just like I keep thinking when I'm spending my energy on oh I just look like this or I wish I was like this what if I actually took that energy which I try to do now and put into making change so that people don't feel like this anymore because everyone feels or I don't know if it's everyone but a lot of people feel shame and they feel really isolated and alone around these issues and it can be really painful to talk about them like I was with my husband for example I was with him for like gosh maybe 12 years before I even told him that I had an eating disorder it felt so shameful and he had no idea I'd managed to just hide it really well and you know brush off any kind of conversations about diets or anything so I think he maybe thought I was just a regular dieter (laughs) yeah and I guess it's, it's that shame and isolation that I think all that energy that we end up like focusing in on ourselves if we can just accept ourselves and that's easier said than done but turn it out into the world and actually start using it to make change because that's quite often I mean it's it's convenient that's what suits society right if we just stay small and we don't do the things that are going to make changes because then the status quo is maintained and everyone's happy apart from the people who are oppressed of course Mm, that's so interesting what if there if there are other people listening and I'm sure there are who can relate to your story you've shared so far in some way shape or form what would your advice be to them if they're feeling kind of locked in and and haven't taken that first step of sharing or or voicing or being able to direct that energy in a in a different situation or accepting themselves how did the first steps uh, take place yeah so first of all i would say It is not your fault. The reason that you feel this way, whether it's about your fatness, the way your body looks, anything, whatever it might be, it is not your fault that you feel this way about yourself. You've been sent messages from potentially family, friends, society, television, absolutely everywhere, your whole life telling you that whatever it is about you that you feel isn't acceptable, isn't acceptable. And I think, first of all, putting down all of that weight, like... I just imagined myself carrying like two massive bags of shit <laughs> or stuff. Are you allowed to swear on this po- podcast? Yeah, sorry, we are. I should have checked. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm yeah, not the no. first. No, you're not okay. the first and you won't be the last. And all good. <laughs> okay, <a few>. um, <laughs> yeah, I just imagine myself carrying like, so it was like carrying these two big bags of stones I guess on my shoulders and if if you think about it as though over the years people have given you these stones with like the looks they've given you or the unkind things they've said about the comments they've made about your body or whatever it might be that you're feeling um that you have difficulties around they are not yours to carry they are to do with other people's shit like I this feels quite personal but I feel like I want to share it um I was brought up by a parent who had eating disorders and a lot of trauma and it was nothing to do with me it wasn't about my body or the way I looked it was about them and I only realized that kind of recently 
So the way you feel about yourself is actually not a reflection of you. It's other things, it's things that other people have felt difficult about themselves or have not liked in themselves and have, you know, criticized you about because it makes them feel better potentially, or because they're brought up in the same society that we all are, where certain bodies are favored, certain genders are favored, certain sexualities are favored, certain races. So put it down. You don't have to carry it anymore. And in its place, what do you want to pick up? Do you want to pick up supporting other people who've experienced similar situations to you? Do you want to pick up loving your children more than you could possibly love them because you've had to put so much energy into hating yourself that maybe you haven't been able to enjoy raising them as you could have done so far? Whatever it might be, is it like a hobby? Is it doing something just for you that makes you feel good? Whatever it is, do it because that's how you'll change the world. That's how change comes about by you living in a way that is purposeful and intentional. It's not through carrying around other people's shit and getting to the end of your life and being like, wow, my body wasn't that wrong after all or whatever the, the thing might be. Yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but absolutely, absolutely. And I, I know you do incredible things in in the world today. You know, through Queers and Co, which is the name for your community. You've got a zine and your podcast. You do activism. You know, there's there's been so much that you've done under that umbrella. Tell me, you know, um, from your your experience now, how are things different for you now? Um. Well, very different in lots of different ways, I guess, practically different and also emotionally. I used to be just an absolute nervous wreck of a person, just constantly anxious and worried. And I didn't even realize now I can recognize that in myself and I know what things I can use to support myself if I still, if I feel anxious. Confidence wise, like I have the confidence that I didn't have to actually pursue the things that make me happy. So Uh, That looks like setting up a coaching practice. Um, I never would have trained to be a coach even before. I would have thought that's something I had to do when I'd lost weight. And I mean, it's just ludicrous saying it out loud, but um, I I don't look forward to retirement anymore, which is what I used to think when I've got through like raising children and I've earned some money, then maybe I can enjoy myself. I actually feel like now if I want to run away from my life, it's because there's something going on like my needs aren't being met in some way so I look at what where do I need to meet my needs and they can be in all different areas and I guess in terms of my personal life uh, very different in that I'm not I'm not in a marriage anymore I identify as queer and yeah there's just so much change I think it was almost like it was almost like an avalanche as soon as I like pulled the one stick that was like holding everything (laughs) back and then I just it just started like flowing down or like rushing down the hill and gathering different things like oh yeah maybe I'll make a podcast or maybe I'll make a zine and before if you'd asked me like three years ago oh you know you're gonna have a podcast or you're going to be doing a course I'd just be like yeah whatever (laughs) um but now it all feels possible and it feels I'm not waiting for someone to come and give it to me as I had felt like you have to wait for promotion or you have to prove that you're good enough in order to deserve something. Now I'm like, okay, what internal resources do I need to achieve this? Okay. Then I need to equip myself with them. For example, working with you, what, yeah, it, it just, 
it's a completely different way of looking at things and I think existing outside of the conventional and the status quo gives you so much more freedom and power yes there's like a big and I'm I should caveat this with I am a very privileged person in that I am still quite straight passing I'm a white person I'm a small fat person but I am queer and I do identify as non-binary um so there are there are limitations in terms of like how you may be perceived in society but at the same time existing outside of that gives you so much power to queer things and to do things in a way that is aligned with who you are rather than what other people expect of you or think you deserve that's such a powerful message such a powerful message what what message would you give your your younger self you know with this beauty of hindsight now and that straw that you pulled that you know had this this ripple effect to lead you where you are today we, we don't always have that that benefit of hindsight do we when we're in the thick of our journey so what message if you could go back and talk to your younger self w- would you want to give earlier on um so I'm a bit torn about about these kind of questions because in a way I think unless I'd experienced it I wouldn't be in the place that I am now but yeah. maybe it would maybe it would be around and from when I was quite young there's a reason is this right there's a reason you don't fit in and it's not because you're better than anyone or that they're better than you it's just because you're different and eventually you'll find people who appreciate you for who you are and who you can be fully yourself around and I think that would be to probably to my child self like I never felt that I fit in from a really young age if I'm being honest in my family and in in school I was always like too much of something or not enough of something and I guess knowing that knowing that there are people out there who would get me and that I would be able to be myself around would have been a really useful thing to know, even if I didn't have access to those people in at the time. Um, I definitely did have access to some of those people at the time. But yeah, if, if there were more of them, then that would have been nice. And, and is there a silver lining in those early feelings of not fitting in? How, what, what are the gifts potentially that have come from that for you I think resilience and endurance knowing okay things feel quite rubbish or I'm doing things that other people don't seem to understand but having the resilience to carry on has been really helpful and I think over time because of my experiences before I didn't trust myself at all I thought whatever my gut instinct was telling me or my intuition was just rubbish and I should always ask other people for advice and actually now um, I guess the silver lining is that having gone through that and knowing that the people who gave me advice were like also had no idea what they were doing (laughs) um (laughs) (laughs) you know along the way around like oh losing weight or whatever it might be that was all about their own stuff and so actually I think yeah learning to trust myself and trust myself knowing that I've been through quite a lot and that when I have feelings about something it's generally um it's generally the right feeling to have and to act on it rather than just ignoring myself anymore uh, because I distrusted myself for so long yeah love that the topic of fitting in or not fitting in, I think is one that we can probably all relate to, especially when we, uh, I don't, I'm speaking from my personal experience, thinking back to school age and, you know, finding people to play with in the playground. I think that's where it all starts, isn't it? And 
who will yeah. be my friend and the groups that form and whether we do or don't fit in with friendship groups. It starts so young. Um, what would you say to anybody out there who still perhaps has those feelings of, I don't fit in, I'm, I'm different and I haven't found my tribe. What would your message be? Yeah, I think, um, I think what I've realized is that some people who really seem like they do fit in and feel like you would imagine from the outside that they have it all together actually don't. And so there's something about not, I really love this and I can't remember where I heard it, but not comparing your insides to other people's outsides. Mm. So you don't know, like Dave, <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but Dave <laughs> is walking around through life, like not fitting in and his, his inner child is just, you know, feeling really sad and completely displaced and he doesn't know where he belongs you might see Dave walking down the street and think he's the most confident, outgoing person, but you don't know how he feels when he goes to sleep at night or what his first thought is when he wakes up in the morning. And I guess recognizing that, that like to some extent, just because we're adults, we're all, until we're not, we're all kind of playing a, a game to like show how much we fit in or how much we belong. Um, and sometimes people are just winging it. Like they don't feel comfortable in the groups that they're in, but they don't realize maybe that there are alternatives or they don't feel like it's possible to reveal all of themselves because people will dislike them or judge mm -hmm. them. I guess I would say also to try and seek those people out. Like there've been times in my life where I've thought, oh, now I found the people like these are the people that I'm meant to be with and really get me. And I've had quite difficult experiences realizing that actually they weren't the people that got me just because I wanted it so badly that then when I realized that they were not people that had my best interests at heart, then I was really disappointed. So I think it's really a bit of a trial and error exercise. Don't take it personally and just put yourself out there, even if it's in the tiniest of ways, whatever feels maybe a little bit uncomfortable, but don't put yourself in like dangerous or difficult situations and just see what happens. And I think, I guess I wonder as coaches actually, because quite often we're thinking about where do the people that I want to help hang out and we kind of show up in those spaces in order to um, be able to support those people. And I guess it's the same for any, you know, just for anyone, no matter what job you do, think about what interests you have and maybe the intersections of those, dif those different interests. So just because someone's interested in golf doesn't mean that they'll be a certain type of person. Okay. So then maybe they like golf and whatever other things. I'm using examples that have nothing to do with my real life, but uh, <laughs> so from my perspective, if I was thinking about people I would fit in with, they might be uh, parents who are either queer or who unschool their children. So they're home educated, but a, a specific type of home education. They are, for example, maybe anti-capitalist or they're interested in social justice. And then I would find the places that those people go and just show up in them, whether it's online forums or, you know, anywhere that just feels safe, but you can put yourself out there a bit and then just build it up from there, really. Because I think if you find the right place, you'll feel comfortable and it will, it will come. Yeah. And I'm guessing, you know, we talk about our ability to attract people into our lives. And mm. um, I, I guess there's the flip side of thinking about where can we f go and find these people and where do they hang out is when we have that courage and are able to be vulnerable enough to show up truly as who we are, we then begin to attract and perhaps have those more revealing and honest conversations with others who then go, oh yeah, well, yeah. 
me too. But sometimes we have to take that first step to truly be ourselves. And I want to thank yeah. you for for doing and being exactly that in today's conversation and sharing your story and who you are so so openly. And it takes takes courage to come on to a podcast and and um, really share our true selves. So thank you for, for doing that today. It's, it's yeah, really powerful. And that's what these interviews are all about in terms of helping our audience hear stories and wisdom and insights to know then they're not alone. And in some way, shape or form, we're all facing and have been through different challenges, but bounce back stronger even you know even better in an even better position than than before like you said the resiliency that you developed mm. from from what you've been through I'm mindful of time but it always gets to this stage in the conversation so <laughs> quickly where I'm like that's it our, our time is up but I don't want to leave before asking you to share a bounce back invitation with our audience either a question you'd like them to reflect on or a challenge for them in terms of their own bounce back journey and experience. What's your bounce back invitation? So mine came to me about, well, during lockdown, maybe a month or so ago, I was sitting in the garden and I had my journal and I thought, I don't actually know who I am. (laughs) Um, And I go through periods where I don't really know who I am. And I guess you kind of reinvent yourself and connect with the different parts that have have changed and I think there are a lot of people in our lives that know old versions of us and that we're we're constantly changing and developing and people know us at a certain point they don't know everything that's going on internally and how we're changing so my invitation and something that I now do regularly is to take maybe half an hour set a timer on your on your phone or whatever and give yourself half an hour with a journal to just answer the questions who am I what do I like what do I dislike? Who was I? And who do I want to be? And they sound really simple and really silly. But the more I wrote, the more I realized what a complex person I was, as we all are, and how much stuff there was that I was, but people were still treating me as though I was that person. And I knew that I wasn't that person anymore by doing this exercise. And then I knew who I wanted to be and what I wanted to bring more of into into my life so it might sound simple but I found it really powerful and hopefully it will help your listeners as well that sounds so powerful and as a fellow coach I know that sometimes the simplest of questions are the most powerful ones yeah and I loved what you said about sometimes others know the older versions of us because we are changing and evolving and growing all the time yeah that is fascinating and it made me wonder whether how can I put this whether we ourselves sometimes are, think we are an older version of ourselves. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, we I think- haven't fully kind of connected to the current version, let alone the future version. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't, I also should say, I can't claim credit for that idea. And um, one of my friends shared it with me about maybe three months ago. And I just was re- like hit by how powerful that was, that people in my life know an older version of me and they'll say, oh, this isn't you. You don't normally do this. You don't even like that. And actually I'm like, no, (laughs) that isn't how I feel at all. Um, And I think we're constantly changing and reinventing ourselves. And as you say, we don't know ourselves. We don't know our boundaries, our needs, our values. And by going through that process, that's part of the reason that I've set up the course that I have. By going through that process, you get to know yourself on a regular basis and make it 
a regular practice rather than something you might do like one Sunday afternoon and then you know yourself for the rest of your life. Like that's not how it works. Yeah, it's constantly developing. Yeah, you touch on your work. So I can imagine this is pivotal because you do a lot of work to one of the strands of what you do is supporting self-empowerment for activists because if Mm -hmm. they, it takes a heck of a lot of energy to be going out there and changing the world and it all starts with self. So the... Tell us the name of the course you just touched on. We'll put some details in the show notes, but I know it's along these um, lines. Yeah, so it's called Making Waves, Self-Empowerment for Social Change. And the idea is that it's about getting to know yourself, um, building confidence, understanding what your needs and your boundaries are so that your change or your um, social change that you're trying to make is sustainable. It's really, I can't remember the percentage, but it's a huge percentage of activists that burn out and some never return to activism at all. And there are, you know, great people who have great ideas, but can't see the change through because it's absolutely exhausting. So it's all about taking yourself through this nine week process that we um, do together in a group and you get to know yourself and what you need in order to look after yourself to then look at what social change you want to make that comes later and also really it's important to say I think that just by showing up and doing the work on yourself it starts to ripple out we have a, an amazing home ed community around where I live and it's because a few people started to do the work and had conversations with a few more people and then those people had conversations with people and we've just grown into this amazing community filled with empowered people who are raising their children in and it's not it's not necessarily that there's lacking a lack of school it's the fact that Uh, they're raising children to question things and I think understanding that that all of those changes start internally until you get um, clear on who you are and what change you want to see and how you're going to keep yourself safe and uh, look after yourself doing that the change is almost irrelevant because you can't make a sustainable change until you are able to look after yourself. Mm, Brilliant and the word activism is really powerful for me and since I think it was when I first met you that really the word activism came onto my radar a lot more through our conversations and I think there was a time fairly recently when for me activism was something I associated with like a group of people who do activism and that's not Mm. me you know it's activists but actually especially in 2020 the year we're recording this crazy times with you know between Brexit and COVID and the murder of George Floyd and the conversations that's brought to the fore um, and the the anti-racism movement. I recognize that actually we're all activists. So we should be. We are all yeah. we all have a role to play in shaping the world around us um, and, and influencing the shape of things around us. So we're we're all activists. And I'm 47 and I've only just realized that this year. <laughs> yeah I think I think people imagine like someone out doing a protest or living in a tree they don't really think of (laughs) someone who (laughs) but yeah if you think about it as like a ripple effect as I said before it ripples out into your communities just by modeling these changes to your children whether it's anti-racism whether it's being um whether it's around body liberation and being anti-diet whatever it might be every person if you aren't making change if you're not making those changes then essentially you're complicit in allowing those shit things in our societies happen Um, and there's a much better quote that says it more eloquently than I just did but there is that idea that it's a privilege to be inactive basically and if you're not being an activated person and that's how I like to think about activism rather than being a person in a tree necessarily although those people have a role to play too um 
But yeah, if you're not an activated person having conversations with your racist uncle around the Christmas dinner table or challenging when you experience home, like, you know, witness homophobia or whatever it might be, if you aren't doing those things, you are standing by and allowing them to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all have a responsibility to stand up and be activated people, look after ourselves so that we aren't fragile beings who will crumble whenever someone you know when something comes up and we're not able to tackle it because we just feel too fragile we have a duty to make ourselves strong and resilient in order to go out there and have difficult conversations with people and make change Mm, really important and a double responsibility because those of us or the majority listening to this podcast are going to be parents primary caregivers you know we are the role models for our children and how do we want the future generations that we're raising to live and experience and influence their lives and communities and and the world at large? You know, it's so easy to think, well, I'm just one small drop in the ocean, but actually it's all those drops together. And I'm using your metaphor because making waves. (laughs) So it's not just us, it's, it's our influence on, on our children and, and how they will become part of tomorrow's society. So we have that double responsibility to think, to become really aware, first and foremost, educate ourselves and then take action. Yeah, absolutely. And your children see, or not yours, but our children seeing Mm. us complicit with things or standing up and, and saying, no, that's not acceptable um, makes a huge difference. And then that's also, I'm just thinking about epigenetics and the idea, not even the idea, the proven science that our generations who've come before us pass on their trauma. And for us to be the ones that stand up and say, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to resolve my own stuff and strengthen myself so that I can be there to make changes and model those changes to my children. I think there's not, there isn't really anything more activated or more powerful that you can do than heal yourself in order to change the world. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. Jem, thank you so, so much for sharing your story, your wisdom, and what food for thought for each and every one of us. Thank you for being part of today's episode. So (laughs) it just remains for me to say goodbye to all those who've tuned in and catch you on the next episode. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Empower podcast for mums in business. And thanks goes to our podcast series sponsors, Bounce Life insurance to protect you, your business, and your family. To get your free startup and business growth kickstart guide, and to find out about our Empower community, go to empower.global.